Hello, everyone. I'm Alicia Swami. I'm here with my co-host, Keely Severson, Eric Johnson. We are exposing mold. Today, we are going to talk about something interesting that Eric brought up recently. Are mold experts hazardous to your health? What? What were you thinking when you came up with this uh, idea, Eric? Well, nobody's fought harder to hold the line on a standard value of how mold affects people than mold experts themselves. Even the uh, CDC, NIH, the um, researchers that look into this, they have observed that there's exceptions to the rules of how mold affects people, and they aren't interested. They say, well, that's interesting. More research is needed, more study. We don't quite understand it. We know it's there but we don't really know what's going on. And then they just kind of stop at that point. And that devolves the uh, burden of responsibility onto who's most concerned. And that's the mold experts, the people who are fanning out all over the, the world saying, I understand the situation and I can educate you about it. And you go, great. Many of these people, they're mold survivors themselves. So they ought to know. So you listen to them. And all of a sudden, they're saying things like, all molds are the same. Anytime you see a, a mold, you should you should panic. Um, don't think of any one mold as worse than the other. It's, it's all toxic soup. And you go, wow, why are you doing this? You know, that's not the case. I mean, I've encountered a moldy orange in the refrigerator, and it didn't knock me flat. But I walked into this one building, and it did. I've been in caves that are full of mold. I've been in old buildings. Clearly, some molds are acting up in ways that are really unusual. And you would expect that of all people, the ones that would attach importance to this would be the mold experts. And they're doing the exact opposite. So that's why I say if you count on mold experts for your guidance and information, more likely than not, they will tell you that mold avoidance is impossible. Don't even try because mold is everywhere. Don't think about one mold is more important than another mold, which means that you just threw out Stachybotrys and Fusarium, the ones that were developed for biological weapons. So I would judge that the people that you most have to watch out for, the people who are in a better position to mislead you, misguide you, keep you from arriving at useful information on how to conduct your life are the mold experts. So let's just break down the why. Why, if these are supposed to be people that um, are putting themselves out there trying to provide good and helpful information and people are trying to figure out what to do through them, why are they why are they breaking down this information to make it harmful for others? I have spent decades trying to understand this behavior, and it's really been tough because it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. And I find that what they do is they will tell you, oh, it's very important to avoid mold, but you can do this, that, and the other thing. And the this, that, and the other thing is something that they're selling. That's their bread and butter. They're making a profit by this. They're not making any money by advising you to uh, avoid mold to hone your senses, to use your perceptions as a reliable guide for how to conduct yourself? No, 
they want to sell you tests. So somehow, even though they will mention the importance of mold avoidance, the final message that gets diminished down to the point where, well, that's optional, but that's for you to decide. And in the meantime, here's all this other stuff you can buy. So I've decided that the reason why the message always gets diluted and always turns into this implication that there's a million things you could do so you don't have to do a mold avoidance is sheer profit motive. Because what they're selling is how they make their living. So that's what they're going to focus on. My thought also goes to some experts in the field who intentionally withhold information that they know to be factually correct. Can you give any examples of this warping of information to kind of hide the truth that they know? Yeah, I saw something very strange going on in the academic world from the beginning of the chronic fatigue syndrome outbreak, from the time that all researchers converged on Incline Village and started fighting with each other over their various theories. They would encounter things that they knew were important, but then they would not say it. They wouldn't express it. And I'm going, wow, you know, they, they knew like the Epstein-Barr virus serology test that was being used to identify these fluctuating levels of an antibody response to this, this common virus, EVV, the kissing disease. They knew this was not right. It was abnormal. But they didn't know what it meant. They didn't know why it was happening. So if they wanted to promote an idea that it was diet or stress, or something else that was doing this, they would simply fail to mention that they understand that this is really abnormal. And that's how they defeat each other, by silent omission of critical information that they know is important. And they do it because they feel they're not going to get caught. How can you prove that they understood that this was important and they deliberately withheld this information for their own agenda. How can you prove that? It's not easy. You, you, you first have to demonstrate that they were fully informed, that they did cognitively understand just how vital this information was for other people to understand what was going on, and then only withheld this information in a context where they must have known that by withholding it, by saying nothing, they would manipulate other people into another course of action. So this is what happened with stachybotrys. Great example. It stood out in a really huge way and people could tell that it was important, but this didn't support their view that they can offer all kinds of various cures and air filters and treatments and binders for this, that, or the other thing. To bring out this one particular really nasty mold interfered with their agenda. And all they had to do to maintain their bottom line, their profits, sell their stuff, was not say anything. And how are you supposed to prove that they knew that by not saying something, they were misguiding people? They were diverting vital information. And the only way that you even get a sense of this is to follow their behaviors very closely and see their thought path, see how their behavior as they proceed along the course of learning about mold and figuring out what to do suddenly diverges from something that is logical and is based on common sense and science 
and slightly switches over into whatever gets them more money. You know, I'm not sure if this is a good time to insert what you were going to say about the Bateman. The I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a really good example. And the 1970s, late 1970s, um, Governor Jerry Brown decided to make the flagship energy efficient building for the state of California, the Gregory Bateson building. This thing was going to be like a monument to efficiency, architecture, the human spirit, the um, the left wing agenda. All these elements going to come together in the form of a wonderful political statement called the Bateson building. And it was designed by um, the modern Frank Lloyd Wright, the guy that was going to change the world for aesthetic and energy efficiency. And this was a response to the oil embargo, the Arab oil embargo of the 1970s. They even stated that this was the building of the future. And it had louvers and windows that would deflect the sunlight so that it would come into this grand atrium and warm a central uh, heating system of water that would flow in beautiful waterfalls and trickling water effects down into a heat sink where the energy would be stored. And by keeping the um, energy of the day for use at night, it would reduce the uh, amount of unnatural fuels by 80%. This was supposed to be a really cool thing. And it was. It was beautiful and it was great. And it probably would work in terms of conserving energy. But at the same time, it was a sick building. People started getting sick the moment they walked into this building before it was even completed. Yet this was the California state offices, the EPA, the um, Employees Association, all these government offices were supposed to occupy this building and it's making them all sick. And by 1981, the building was such a sickness inducer that the people finally got together and filed a class action lawsuit against the state of California for the way this building was affecting them. And at that point, they realized something had to be done. So they shut down the water exchange system. They redesigned it so it wasn't energy efficient anymore. They had to convert over to conventional heating and address some of the microbial growth that was affecting people. And they finally got the level of illness down to where the building wasn't so dramatically bad. It never was good. They put millions over the years into trying to fix this thing and never quite been successful. But it lost its purpose as the flagship of energy conservation and a statement of what modern science can do to make a building tight and energy efficient because the uh, sick building syndrome, the sick building-related illness that it caused was so absolutely spectacular. So this was in 1981 that this debacle occurred. So there were thousands of people in California, in the Sacramento area, fully capable of recognizing a sick building when they saw one. And you would think they would step up and say so. And yet here, just a couple of years later, in 1984, we see clusters of sick people in sick buildings that was fought over by the Center for Disease Control, by researchers all over the world, 
culminated in the creation of a new syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, clusters of sick people in sick buildings. And yet somehow, all these thousands of people, the doctors, the CDC, the EPA, all the officials that should have spoken up at that point, said nothing. They allowed the confusion to proceed. They allowed chronic fatigue syndrome to go on and be a controversial, hotly debated issue the world over and never spoke up about what they knew. So to me, that's a really good example of people in a position to know who surely knew, who had all the cognitive awareness to settle the issue in minutes, but failed to do so. And by their manipulative agenda, created suffering, death, financial ruin for millions of people. So basically, I mean, the government is laughing all the way to the bank because (laughs) they don't have to do the dirty work. The experts are doing the dirty work for them. And these experts are basically crumbling under their own ignorance and greed. And as a result, millions of people are suffering because of it. Yeah. Can you imagine being in the position of of being an indoor air quality expert who is fully aware of these clusters, of this effect, and then seeing, seeing the chronic fatigue syndrome controversy go on and say nothing? So that's why I say these experts, they are hazardous to your health. And in many regards, they are worse than the CDC NIH. And surely the... Federal authorities who are fully aware of all this must be laughing their butts off that it's the it's the people closely involved to this paradigm that are destroying their own cause. I'm just but in shock. Go ahead, Keely. I'm, I'm in shock. I was going to say, but at least they're getting paid to do it. Just a bad joke. Blah. Nico, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they're getting paid but you're also seeing their health suffer and them spiral out of control with trying to figure things out for themselves too so i guess it's not coming without repercussion because if they don't get on board with this eventually they're going to crash and burn yeah you know i've complained uh, considerably about the newbie mold experts because as they enter this field and they find out what's going on now they are in a position to settle the controversy, to work together, to approach these clusters and go, yeah, I know what's going on there. I can tell it. And they don't. One by one, these newbie doctors come to positions of prominence and form their own organizations and yet somehow fail to step up in a, a critical issue, a vital matter that they surely know must be important to other people. So I think that they've really failed in their social duty. Uh, Keely mentioned that we'll probably watch on the side as many of these experts find themselves sick and divorced (laughs) and deal with all that we've had to deal with. Is that going to take, I mean, is that what it has to take for them to come and join us? Because I feel like a lot of these experts have approached us. You have given them the information, but they're just not happy with the information that you're providing for whatever reason, because I guess it doesn't fit in their business model because it would mean bad business for them. Exactly. But 
I mean, how long can you play this game of, okay, I'm going to do this so I can accumulate wealth until you get to the point where we all have been, where we have had to lose everything to try to save our health. Like it just doesn't seem like something that's beneficial for them, their business or other people. Yeah. That's how I felt about it too, that there must surely come a critical mass when they realize that what they're doing is counterproductive, not just for society, but for themselves, and step up to perform a, a higher function. Um, I, I counted on that. I go, once they come to a, an awareness of just how important it is for them to step up, the, and it's affecting their own life, and they'll see the benefit, the benefit of cooperation, of unveiling this, this entire mess, then they will do so. But there are so many who went through that stage where they reached a point where it was time for them to make that transition, and they don't. I saw there's, I saw there's another dynamic going on here. Uh, I'm speaking of the... Um, the newbie mold experts, the ones who are hazardous to your health, and why they're, what makes them hazardous to your health. It's that once they arrive at that point where they should, by any normal, reasonable standards, have realized this is bigger than them, they need to step up and do something, and they don't, why don't they do so? And some people have already commented on this. It's because once you indulge in a nefarious, underhanded behavior, from that point on, you have to cover up what you've done. If you've been hiding information, you can't really be fully straightforward at a later date without revealing your own deficiencies. So they're forever bogged down by, again, their greed, their lies, their withholding. And it's like they they have to live in the dark. Man, what a shitty life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry for my language, but I feel like maybe I have too much of a, of a conscience where it's like I I wouldn't be okay with living with myself after that. Like, yeah, that'd be great. I probably have all the riches and the great house and the great cars and wonderful. But like inside, I I, I would feel terrible. Yeah, how yeah. do they sleep at night? <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, in your history, and you've been around a very, very long time, and we always appreciate your your information, your knowledge, your expertise. I mean, have you ever seen anyone successfully pull that off where they were acting really conniving and snaky in the beginning and they did a 360 and they were able to come back around and make a real difference in this community? Um I have seen some very successful former chronic fatigue syndrome doctors who transitioned into mold experts who made a, a big name for themselves, yet still without revealing mold at ground zero for chronic fatigue syndrome. And it appears that that seems to be the standard behavior. They maintain the cover-up. They're not fully forthcoming. They did manage to impress a lot of people. And they appear very honest, but that can't possibly be because if they know that mold started the syndrome and they become fully aware of how important it is for other people to know that toxic mold 
cross paths with this controversial syndrome and say nothing, they've clearly chosen to maintain the cover up and hope that nobody figures out that they're hiding information. I have one doctor that comes to mind. <laughs> and I have two words. Vampire energies, Eric. <laughs> yeah, the, the vampire energy is a really great example. In fact, probably the best example of this. But you see it in so many. In fact, if you look at the history of any chronic fatigue syndrome doctor from the 1980s or 1990s, who turned into a mold expert or any mold expert who's talked about chronic fatigue, but acts like, oh, well, that's just tiredness. And they they know that this is a, a syndrome they're talking about, not just chronic fatigue. They're talking about an official CDC instrument, a research tool. And yet they try to express it as if, oh, that's just a label. That's chronic fatigue. There again, it's a cover up. They're, they're not that dumb. Gotcha. Well, <clears throat> those who lis- who are listening today, I mean, if anything, I hope this conversation just sort of makes you think and opens your eyes to certain things. Um, I know a lot of people will take this information and think that we're just like, oh, but you're, aren't you a competitor of them? And that's why you're bad mouthing them. No, honestly, we don't operate the same and we're just trying to provide information that um, is truthful and honest. And that just really makes you think about what's been going on. And Eric's been around for a really long time and has observed this <laughs> for a very long time. And so we really do appreciate what he has to say. And, you know, Eric, you've been doing this selflessly for God knows how long. I mean, <laughs> we like... <laughs> We're operating like on a shoestring budget over here. You know, we're not sitting here trying to sell you air filters and everything to make things work because just that's just how honest we are with this information. And Keely just sent in a message and said, our only competition is actually misinformation. So how many times have people asked us for the best air filter? We obviously could have gotten an affiliate program with multiple supplement companies, multiple air filters. But instead, we're always pointing out the problems with those things because they aren't going to help you reclaim your health. And we want people and their families to get better. Exactly. Thank you for that. Um, Do you have any last words, Eric Keeley, before we go for the day? Just watch out for the mold experts. They can be hazardous for your health. (laughs) Almost as bad as the mold. (laughs) Right? Imagine dealing with the mold and then consulting with an expert that just wants to take your money. How many times over the last year have I said to you guys, it's literally a miracle from God that I fell into your hands and not the expert's hands? Because do you know how many people in my family were telling me I couldn't be feeling what I was feeling in this house because there was no mold and that I was crazy and that I needed to go on medication? The mold experts who say they represent mold hypersensitivity right now are making up reasons why people are hypersensitive and they're blaming the bodies and not the environment. If you ever talk with someone about mold hypersensitivity who blames your body instead of the environment, that is your biggest red flag to run. They don't know what they're talking about. And I'm so thankful that I found you guys and that I've been able to reclaim my health after getting so sick this last year and not even knowing that I was exposed again. And it never would have happened if I would have contacted any single doctor that I've ever heard about or known about, any single inspector or tester. Um, 
Well, I'm thinking about Josh, Rachel. I'm like, maybe he would have actually looked under my sighting because he was so thorough going on and on and on about everywhere he checks. But, you know, almost nobody. I don't, I don't think that there's anyone that would have found the problem. They all would have told me the problem is my body. I have internal mold. It's producing mycotoxins inside me. I'm the reason that I'm sick. Do this diet, do this nerve work and shut your mouth because we did our job and we got our money and what you're saying isn't true because we're the experts and we know everything. And instead of dealing with the hell that that situation would have been, I focused on finding the mold, get rid of it and got my health back. That's when you know Keely's feeling good. She's got those fire rants. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that about wraps it up. Yeah, I mean, uh, I agree with you, Keely. And imagine how many, and then take it another step after that, how your life would have been destroyed, how you probably would have been institutionalized, how your family probably would have been torn apart. I mean, people don't understand how serious this is. And hopefully this brings some light to a very, very serious situation. So thanks, everyone. We will see you guys next time. We want to thank you for listening. Just sending a friendly reminder that what we say is not intended as medical advice, but information to expand your thinking surrounding common situations and issues within the mold community. If you like what we do, please support us by making a donation in the link in our show notes. We also provide one-on-one consultations, products to help with symptom management that you can find in our shop, and a private membership group filled with a supportive community of peers working together to heal from toxic mold. As a friendly reminder, Exposing Mold is a 501c3 nonprofit and every donation is tax deductible. Thank you so much for your support and we look forward to providing you with the most honest information out there on mold and mold issues. Please visit exposingmold.org for more information.